I'm SP from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show about the general Marvel comic universe, part of the Guinea Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other hilarious and fun geeky shows at guineageeknetwork.com. Welcome to episode 212 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we run down Steven's podcast gear and setup changes for 2019. In this week's Better Podcasting download, we talk about not one, but two updates with podcast compatibility with ALEXA devices. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we have listener feedback, including a follow-up about Johan's setup as discussed last week on the show. Lauren, pour an eggnog. Let's start the festivities now. Happy holidays. Welcome to Better Podcasting. With a combined history of over a thousand episodes and starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Yes, we are here with another festive edition of Better Podcasting and another gear edition. I am Stephen John Drew and I am pleased to say that my festive cohort SP is here this week. This is the penultimate 2019 edition of Better Podcasting. We are happy to be here. These are fun episodes for us, and apparently they're fun episodes for our listeners. Y'all ask for these every single year. We're glad to have our gear episodes back at the end of 2019. Now, last episode, I said we were going to give away the Samsung Q2U microphone this episode. We're going to do it next episode, so just stand by. It's just going to be a week. Don't worry about it. We are going to give it away. I actually got it down right here, right here. It's at my floor, right? here. This is the one that you would be mailed if you win it. So we'll talk about that next week. In the meantime, I can't believe you're rubbing your beard all over that right now. That's crazy. You're just like, you're rubbing that Q2U all over your SP beard. I can't believe that. Not true. Audio listener. <laughs> I didn't touch it with my face. And we do have a How I Say My Podcast story for starting off this episode, and it's near and dear to both of our hearts. It's near and dear to both of our hearts because we personally lived it one week ago. Right, Stephen? Holy cow, did we? Yes. If you don't know this, we actually stream the show live, usually on Wednesdays at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. That's at geeks.live. Now, we're going to be away for a couple of weeks now, so keep your eyes on our social media because we have a bit of a break. But usually we're on Wednesdays. And for those who decided to join us and stick it through to the very end, they deserve to pat themselves on the back right now and then pat themselves on the back again because it was about a two-hour recording session just streamed live. That doesn't include the pre and the post chatter all together for last week's episode. Last week's episode, if you didn't know this, Edited, clocked in about 59 minutes. So it was like basically a three-hour ordeal for SPNI because there's stuff that's not streamed. And this was just a complete nightmare. We had streaming issues. We had problems with sound devices, I think, coming in and out of my machine. We had possibly Skype issues. We had a whole bunch of things that just went wrong and caused a bunch of delays including when we played those clips, they started off not working. 
Then we got them working. And then they stopped working again live. It was quite the ordeal. And how did we handle this SP just to work through and get it to where we were able to edit it and make it a nice polished product at the end? Well, first of all, we both produce live shows. So we're both very familiar with the pressure that goes on to streaming live and try to get it as perfect as possible. I'm a little bit more lax about it than Steven is, but we both recognize that it's a pressure to actually get it done, especially if it's an important episode, if we have a guest or if we have multiple co-hosts or something like that. In this particular case, it's happened before different technical issues when Steven is producing and I know in order to get through it, we just need to actually get through it. So I'm looking at my setup, seeing if there's anything that I can do to help the situation. If I could reboot and make it better, if I could shut down programs and make it better or whatever, if I have to do a different setting on the computer and make it better. The other thing that I do as a co-host, and we talked about this before on the podcast, is I just calm Stephen down. I say, look, it's no big deal. We're not on a clock here, at least not last week. And we have time. We don't have anything going on scheduled afterwards for either of us. Let's just work through the problem. We'll get through it and we'll get on because we do actually edit and publish a finished version later. So I know this. And I also know, by the way, and I wanted to ask you this, Stephen, how much longer did it take to edit last week's show than normally? I have to admit something. It was it was comparable, if not a little bit easier because of the fact that all of the problems happened in sections. So there actually wasn't that many different edit points. It was just the fact that when there was an edit point, there was like a 15 minute delay as we sorted through these issues. So I was just luckily taking out a big section. The very first video clip, I had to do a little bit of special masking. So that in itself, just to try to get it all solved and everything from a video perspective, it, it added about an extra half hour to the process. But everything else was actually... I got lucky. I, I was surprised. Had it not been in sections, though, it would have probably taken me easily double or triple the amount of time to edit. And that's another thing is that we actually had perfectly functioning rigs that morning because we both had tested just doing different things on our own. We knew that they worked that morning and by that night they didn't. So there were different things that happened along the way to make the show a little less tenable. It was glad to hear right now that it didn't take you that much longer to edit because in the past when I've had tech issues, it does take triple, quadruple or more time to actually go in and edit and fix those things. After you do that a couple of times, you learn tricks on how to fix it, especially if you're doing video. I know all of our listeners do not do video podcasts, but if you're doing video, there's different things that you have to do than audio. Audio is a lot easier. You cut it, you splice it fade in, you fade out, you do some EQ when you have to, and you just fix it as best as you can. And you're able to massage it a little bit better. Video is a little bit more difficult, but you learn the techniques when you're trying to fix it and it makes it easier the next time you do it. So not only are you saving the podcast this time, but you're helping yourself make it easier and save the podcast the next time. And you might not even have to call it a save your podcast. There's something else that I want to mention while we're talking about editing. SP and I have said before, we use versions of hardware recording. That means we have a device that is isolated, that is recording what we are doing audio-wise. This is a big, big time saver when we have issues like this for somebody like myself that writes down edit points as we go through the show. That's how I, I edit is as we go through and we make errors and we have problems, 
I write down the time code based off of the clock that's on my hardware recorder. Well, if I was using a piece of software to record on my computer, number one, because I was having computer problems, there's a good chance there would have been dropouts, there would have been sync issues, who knows. But the thing is, I had to restart at least once during all of those problems last week, and I wouldn't have had a steady time code like I did using a hardware recorder. Because the hardware recorder was going through all of these problems, these restarts, I had a reference on how long we were recording and a consistent time to keep writing down these edit points. So, you know, we've had problems before. If you've checked out the live stream before, you've known that occasionally gremlins like to get us. And every single time, I am so thankful when it comes to edit that we use hardware recorders because those are isolated. They're not problems for us anymore. They're just continuing to run whether or not our computer is restarting or whatever. So I just wanted to mention that right now. But all we did during the actual process was to try to push through, solve the problem that came up, think about where we left off before that problem, continue on the conversation as if that problem didn't happen. And then once we took out the problem, it was seamless. Aside from that part in the middle where SP started to swear profanities, I left that in inten intentionally. That was just to make you laugh, man. And no, <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't happen. The one thing I want to say about having a continuous track in the backup track is, yes, that is how we do it. We love doing it, and it's worked for us most of the time. On the occasion that that will fail, and it has failed for both of us, our local recordings have failed for various reasons. If you have a co-host that is geographically separated from you and doing a multi-track sort of thing where they're actually recording both tracks on their end, meaning their track and the incoming track, you can go ahead and use that incoming track as a time code piece. The one problem that I will say that I've run into doing that in the past is drift. The drift on the other end is going to be different than your drift, and it's exacerbated if you're doing video as well, because the drift is all over the place at the other end where it is not in sync with the video. So while that can be a fail safe, if you are doing video, especially it can be a little rocky. And if you've got a tightly controlled multi-track settings where you are doing the multi-track recording from the multi-ending then you could be a little drifty as well and have to go in and fix it. It's just an extra step that you have to do if things fail on your end. And I've just done it before. Steven, I know you've done it before. So we both did it and it got the episode out. It was a little bit more work. So these are various different things that can happen when you're doing a recording with other people, especially a live show and get it done. Steven, I just want to say thank you very much for sticking with it last week. We actually pushed a show. I know at one point in time you were seriously considering shut her down and let's try to do it maybe another day or just forget it this week. And I was like, no, 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 we, well, you got it. We can do this. And there have been times where we've shut it down. We shut down good a geek before. Yes, we, we have. And I appreciate your support last week. It's all holiday festivities. Let's get all lovey lovey. Uh, SP, you always are phenomenal at calming me down. And the one that's flipping the switches as a monkey. I hear uh, stress out when we have these problems and you are so good at knowing just the right thing to say to me so that I can calm down. And nine times out of 10, that involves you telling me to go get a drink. Uh, that's one of, one of the ways that you help solve my I, issues. I have mentioned that before. <laughs> and, and I do appreciate the coding of your artificial intelligence. It has improved that we are showing these faults with ourselves. And even though I'm human, we know that Steven is actually a 
clone with built-in artificial intelligence. And we've been trying to build in those faults with his programming to make him seem a little bit more human. So hopefully last week it actually turned out that way. Cannot compute. Cannot compute. This annual tradition all started off because it was just the way we happened to do some episodes rolling into the end of the year, the first time that we ever did Better Podcasting. Yes, if you didn't know this, way, way back during our first year of Better Podcasting, we ended up doing a series about our gear. The intention was to show our evolution because we at the time had a lot of people questioning, do you need gear? Do you need that gear you have? Why do you have that gear? And just generally questioning our purpose with having the gear we did. And we wanted to show and highlight that we didn't just go and buy that gear outright. No, it wasn't needed. It was something that we worked our way up to. And that's still a message we have. We say now, all you really need is a Samsung Q2U, an Audio-Technica ATR2100, or an Audio-Technica AT2005. Just start off with that. That's so simple. And if you want to later expand your gear, you can go ahead and do that. There are some things that we recommend as you purchase gear, things you want to consider, but that's not what we're talking about today. We really like to do these episodes every single year to sort of highlight what we've bought over the previous year. Some of the things that worked for us, some of the things that didn't, some of the reasons we bought the things, and some of the changes we made with our podcast setup. Again, just to illustrate each year how our podcast evolves. Plus, if you're listening to this and maybe it's after Christmas and you didn't get that thing that you want, well, maybe you can think about one of these things we're about to talk about if you want to go and buy yourself something. You deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve a break today? <laughs> I didn't say that. That would be trademark infringement. No, the next term would be trademark <laughs> infringement. So let's start off with mine. This episode, we're going to talk all about the things that I have changed in my podcast setup over the past year. And then next week, SP will wrap up the year. He'll close it all off talking about his things. We know that's the one you're looking forward to because it's all about SP over here. We know that you want to hear about the SP. And that's why we leave you, leave you every year with SP because we want to leave you on a high note. No, this happened because the very first year, Stephen's like, I want to talk about my gear first. So I'm going first. <laughs> I was like, okay, dude, you can go first. That is how it happened. Fair enough. Let's start off with something that is is very simple, very basic, and I've probably had every single year in my our gear, but I like to highlight it for a few reasons. Last year, I bought a 64 gigabyte card, SD card, for my Zoom L12. Now, this is a philosophy that SP and I operate a little different. Both of our hardware recorders use SD cards, and he basically treats them as a one-time use. So he records to them and then he buys a new one and he continues that cycle. For me, I like to reuse my SD card, but I also like to not take chances. If I think it's getting old or I'm seeing any weird quirks, any signs that there could be a problem, I shut it down and I put a new SD card into the mix. And that's what happened. Early in the year, I saw something really weird where there was an error message that came up partway during the recording of, I think it was this show here, on my Zoom L12. There was some form of message that came up. So that was one of my early purchases this year was the 64 gig SD card for the Zoom L12. That pales in comparison to the eight that SP bought over the year. 
I don't know if I, yes, I did buy probably eight, but it was for various different devices. I did buy some, and I was going to talk about it next week for my Zoom L12, the, the, excuse me, Zoom H6. Then the Zoom H6 will only take a 64 gigabyte. More on that next week. Now, the next thing that I want to talk about is a bigger item. It's something that we, as Better Podcasting, acquired ourselves so that we could talk a little bit about it. But I have some add-on accessories that are related. So let's just start off with the big device. It's the Rodecaster Pro. For the video viewers, I'd usually hold it up right now, but currently I'm using it as a very expensive soundboard for my sound bumpers. But that is an addition to the mix that we had this year. Now, we got that so that we could talk a little bit about it. It's something that, honestly, I probably wouldn't have if we didn't have this show here and we didn't have people questioning it because the Zoom L12 continues to be my daily driver and works a little bit better for my particular use case. But we wanted to give it a try, see how it works. And occasionally I think, well, let's try it a different way and then we can talk about it because, you know, I'm always thinking, like, could I put this into my mix? No real good reason, but could I? And that was something that uh, came in early in the year. I think it was like at the end of December after we recorded this or early, like the first week of January. I don't remember the, spe the specific time, but I did not talk about it last year. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of things we could talk further about the Roadcaster Pro, but we'll leave it at that because this isn't all about the Roadcaster Pro this episode. <laughs> No, and it's an incredible machine for a lot of people starting out. Uh, we both have our qualms with it. Basically, it's not a perfect machine. It is the best podcasting machine at the time that it came out than has ever been come out before because it was purposely made for podcasters. So kudos on Rode for actually doing that. Now, one of the things that I decided to do with it was if you haven't gathered by now, when I get hardware, I really like to try to maximize it. You stretch it every different way. Every single sound mixer that I've ever owned, I have tried to manipulate the use to its limits. This is not a new thing with me, and the Rodecaster Pro is going to be no different. So I bought a couple of what are generic brand, Ugreen TRRS headset adapters. Essentially what they are is they're a device that takes the male TRRS connection. That is the, the male, it uh, looks like a headphone connection, but it's got the three rings and it changes it into a separate headphone and microphone view or, or uh, device. So essentially you're separating your audio out from your audio in. And I wanted to use this to try to manipulate the Rodecaster Pro in a couple of different ways, because if you didn't know this, the Rodecaster Pro has a TRRS connection on it. Essentially, the idea being you can take a cell phone, plug a TRRS connection from your cell phone into the Rodecaster Pro, and it does the mix minus and talks back and forth so that any audio coming in can go out to that phone and that phone can come into the Rodecaster Pro. So in order to try to use this in a weird way, I bought a couple of these to try it out. Maybe in the future, I'll revisit that idea and talk a little bit more. It wasn't the most resounding success, which is why I've left it off. But it's something that I've, I've used a few times as I've dusted off this Rodecaster Pro to try it because I have a very unique setup where I have multiple uh, connections. And we'll get to that a little bit later. Couple of points on your TRRS cables. First of all, you got to have a phone that has some way an adapter or a three and a half millimeter TRRS plug in order to go ahead 
and use that with your phone, with your mobile device, tablet, whatever, even a laptop. You have to have a 3.5 millimeter in or an adapter in order to use it. Those are getting starting to get a little bit harder to find. And the second thing I want to say is, yes, you like to tinker around with different things, but the real reason that you were trying to tinker around with the Roadcaster Pro is it just didn't have all the oomph, all the capabilities that you are used to either in your mixer when you had it or the Zoom L12 or the Zoom L20, which you had at one point in time. It simply didn't have that ability to multi-track enough tracks that you could go ahead and do what you wanted to do. So I just want to point that out as a limitation to the Roadcaster Pro. We just said a lot of praises to it, but there are limitations to it. And if you're doing a more advanced podcasting or you're trying to do multiple people around the table to do a playthrough, a D&D sort of thing, a gaming podcast, or maybe you're doing an actual read with a lot of people in a audio drama at the same time you're doing a table read or you're actually acting out the parts as you're going along. The Roadcaster Pro might not be the device for you just because it's so limited in the amount of inputs that it has. And that's what Steven was trying to get to. He's trying to do a mix minus to be able to plus up the inputs and the different tracks that it can record in order to do that. So the cords that he had were uh, definitely an ingenious way to try that. Now, while I was in the process of trying the Roadcaster Pro and SB and I were scheming behind the scenes of what, the, what videos we were going to release, I had to go away for work. And when I go away for work, usually I like to continue on doing some level of podcasting. Sometimes if it's a few days, it's just as simple as editing. Sometimes I podcast from my hotel room. Well, I discovered during this that my laptop battery was dead on my laptop. Yes, the laptop battery was dead, meaning that I had very little battery life, which for me personally, even if it's only five minutes, that's a problem because if I'm in the middle of editing and all of a sudden, you know, I accidentally pull out the power cord and the battery dies, then I could be SOL. So I had to buy a laptop battery. Now, this is something that I just wanted to mention right now because while it's a, a sort of use other than podcasting for the majority of the year, because I usually continue on pot doing some level of podcasting while I go away, it became a very critical part of my podcast workflow for that week that I went away. And I probably would have put off that purchase had I not been going away for work and had not I not been doing this podcast stuff. Another thing that I bought along the way in the same sort of time frame was some quarter inch to 3.5 millimeter adapters. This is because I had actually a couple of them go on me and it was just probably from unplugging and plugging in and, you know, nothing too special, but it was still an expense. And I ended up only needing, I think, one at the time, but I thought to myself, no, you know that there's going to be others. So I just bought a five pack plus. I've read that they are sometimes questionable quality. So I figured overshoot it. If there's any bad, chuck them out. But, uh, you know, throw that in there. Small little accessory. To go back to the laptop battery issue, uh, Stephen, you've had your laptop for quite some time, right? You, that was the original battery that was in it, or was yes. that already a replacement? That was okay. the original. Okay. And it was, I'm guessing, five, six years at least that you've had that laptop. It was something like that. Yeah. Okay. 
that is how long it had gone before he needed to replace the battery. Now, Steven has a gear replacement plan. He has a plan to ultimately replace the laptop, but he wanted it to last a couple more years. I will tell you from personal experience, the newer, slimmer laptops, they come with those battery packs that you actually have to open up the laptop to go ahead and take it out and put it back in. I'm finding through the laptops that have been used in the family that I've had to go in and replace that it's about two and a half to three years of use before the batteries start to get to the point that they need to go ahead and be replaced. I think two and a half to three years is a good time to buy a new battery for a laptop because then you'll get another two or three years and then you should probably buy a new laptop because they just change so much in the facts of five, six years. Yeah. If you get a MacBook pro, you might last you 10 years, but it's going to get slow the last four or five years. So it's just the normal replenishment of gear. You just have to keep that in mind as you're moving ahead with your podcasting. Moving on to the next thing. This is also tied to the Roadcaster pro. I had to purchase. It was about 20 bucks for a half decent one. It was a USB Bluetooth transmitter. Now, what was this for? This was because I wanted to try that Bluetooth capability on the board and just see what its capability was to a Windows machine. And my machine did not have Bluetooth built in. So I had to buy a way that my computer could talk Bluetooth to the Rodecaster Pro. I don't know that I've talked about this. I haven't tried it with the most uh, recent firmware update. I think there's a bit of a Windows uh, consideration as well. It's a uh, not great experience when you're trying to use uh, both two-way audio. So to the Rodecaster and from the Rodecaster Pro to a Windows machine, there are some very big limitations that I've come across and some quality problems as well. That's why I haven't talked about it on here, but it was an investment that I made so that I could try it. I think it's now sat unplugged for the better part of the year, but I did want to give it a bit of a try and maybe I'll revisit that in the future. Also for the Rodecaster Pro, we talked about this earlier. They did a firmware update, and this is something that I wanted to highlight right now because it's a pretty simple point, but when you consider the reason behind this, it kind of makes you realize how some changes can cause you to change as well. It was a 128 gigabyte micro SD card, which was purchased specifically for the Rodecaster Pro. Now, why did I do this? Well, the Rodecaster Pro underwent a firmware update partway through the year where they finally added that multi-track capability that podcasters everywhere were asking for. When they did that, the micro SD card that I had would no longer be of sufficient capacity to continue to multi-track record without having to wipe it every single show. I was using a pretty small micro SD card originally because the Zoom L12, my daily driver, and also my Zoom H6 that I'd had, used a regular size SD card. And I've generally just bought those. I've not bought a micro SD card with the adapter for it. So the only micro SD card that I had at my disposal was of a smaller capacity. So again, once that firmware update happened, I'm like, yes, I definitely want to give that a try. Off to the store I went. Now, luckily, there was a pretty good sale at the time, so I didn't have to spend too, too much. But of course, if I was going to do that, I went with one that was 128 gigs of storage. Uh, the Rodecaster Pro, again, it only uses micro SD. So just be aware of that if you have a collection of SD cards like SP. 
I do have a collection of SD cards. We'll talk about that next week again. And as far as the micro SD cards, they've transitioned, at least here in the United States, that most of them available, not all, but most of them available come in the mini SD card with the adapter already in. The ones that I was showing earlier on the podcast in the video version were that ilk. And I have bought those for the last couple of years. I think it's just the last like 18 months or so where most of them on sale that I normally buy them are the micro cards. And yeah, I've been using them and I'm sure eventually the micro SD cards will become something else. I have no idea. Maybe contacts that you have to put on the eyeball of the recording device. I have no idea. Sound, sounds like that logic tracks. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to one that you're going to at first go. Well, now you're just talking about all of the random things that you've purchased in your, your house. I purchased a Samsung Smart Things Hub. Again, you're like, Stephen, what, what, this is better podcasting. Isn't that something for the Gunna Geek show? No. As we've mentioned many times, even in this show, we have a full video companion for this. Now, I have been asked over the years at various times how exactly I have the lighting that I do for this. Now, it's not anything super fancy. It's not anything that's professional, but a lot of people who have got C922s have found that they have run into some issues with either color temperature or being washed out or being too dark. And the reason why I'm able to accomplish this sort of balanced lighting that I have is because I use smart bulbs for the lighting system that I have. I have two soft boxes essentially in front of me, and I use bulbs that I can set not only the color temperature, meaning like how yellow or how white they are, but also the amount of brightness they are. So they actually run at different brightnesses. So they're kind of even based off of monitors that I have in front of me, based off of how one is a little further than the other. And I'm able to do this all because it's smart lighting. So I just have a routine in that ALEXA device that I say it's time to record and it goes and it sets these lights to a certain color temperature. As well, trying to balance having a real life in this den I have bulbs that are capable of changing colors because if you haven't seen the video side, I have a colored backdrop. So I have bulbs that are capable of changing colors, but when it's time to just go back to day-to-day -day routine, they all go back to regular day-to-day 2700-ish uh, uh, light temperature, meaning that that's sort of that standard yellowy type light that you have in many regular bulbs. And unfortunately... This was all based off of a platform that is called Zigbee. And the hub that I was using before, essentially the brains that controlled all of those light bulbs, was a company called Wink. And Wink all of a sudden started to run into some issues. And we've mentioned this before on the show. And maybe if you're new to the show, you haven't heard about us talk about the story. But... This happened to me when there was a wink problem right before we were about to do an interview. And so I was running around frantically trying to get it all solved, get it switched to some other option so that I could control it. And it caused a lot of stress. So because of this, I went, I don't want to put up with these problems anymore. I don't want to wait on these problems anymore to be fixed. And so I bought a new hub, a Samsung SmartThings hub. And had it not been the podcast setup, I probably would have waited a little bit longer for a better sale or to try some other options or look into other options. But I knew the Samsung Smart Things would work for me. And so really, I do classify that purchase at that time 
as being solely podcast driven because I was fed up in other areas of my house, but it's really not a big deal if I can't tell the A device to turn on my kitchen lights. I can wait a day or two for that to get back up. The real big driver was the fact that it tied into my uh, podcast slash video setup so much. We've had a few outages throughout the year, more, I would say, in the first year than the second year since these devices have come out, these smart devices, smart home devices like the Amazon device or the Google device. And when they go out and they can't connect to the internet, maybe it's an internet outage and it's not a system outage. We've had both. But if it's just an internet outage, I really hope that in the future, most of this stuff will be able to operate autonomously or just by manually clicking the app within your own Wi-Fi. And I don't think we're 100% there yet. So there might be new things in the next year that we talk about with the smart hubs and all the smart gear that we have in the house. There's a bit of an option, but that's a gunnageek.com show discussion. <laughs> Anno- another thing that I bought speaking along those lines of video was I mentioned I've got those color changing bulbs. Well, I had one of them go, so I had to buy a new replacement bulb. Unfortunately, the one that I had purchased before was no longer available, so I ended up buying one that was, I'll just drop the brand right now. It was a Singled S-E-N-G-L-E-D Element Color Plus bulb, essentially I had a piece of gear fail. And again, that that gear is related to the video side of this show. Now, let's talk all about something that I mentioned on here before, but I haven't really talked about what my experience was. It was the Mackie HM4 headphone amp. Now, okay, maybe last week I I alluded to the fact that I had it and talked a little uh, briefly about it in our better pod back, but we haven't talked about it in, in the featured segment. Essentially, this was a replacement for my Behringer HA400 headphone amplifier. I came across it randomly at the store and I was like, SP, I haven't seen this before. And you're like, I don't think I've seen that either. And we Googled and it was a fairly new product at the time. So I'm like, okay, it's on sale right now. Maybe some form of launch price. I haven't bought a new headphone amp for a while. Let's give it a try. SP is always telling me, you got to have something Mackey in your house. That's exactly what he says. Like he sends me a Christmas card. He's like, Merry Christmas. By the way, buy something Mackie. Every year, that's what he sends me. That's what I, yeah, that's in the Christmas card. Actually, it's in the Christmas card that I send out to everybody. Bye, Mackie. <laughs> so I thought, okay, let's let's give this a try. And uh, I've got it in place, had it in place for a while. Truthfully, audio quality wise, I've not personally noticed much of a difference, but it, I like the way the knobs move a little bit better. There's a little more friction. There's a little less play. So it's a little better when you're trying to just finesse the volume a bit. Uh, It it feels about the same weight as the HA400. Now weight doesn't mean much, but it's it's been going well for half a year, but so was my Behringer HA400 for a while. So who knows? Uh, Bottom line is the reason I have this in my setup particularly is because I have the Zoom L12 that has a bunch of outputs. So you might be like, well, Steven, can't you just use those? The thing is, the way I use the Zoom L12 is essentially they go to a bunch of different boxes, a different, a bunch of different video calls. And so I can't really use those for headphone amps. So if I want to have a couple of different headphones plugged in or whatever, or a couple different routes, maybe go to my studio monitors, whatever it is, that's why I need a headphone splitter, a headphone amplifier. Sorry. 
These are very useful. They can be useful in a recording setup. I'm using more of an old school recording setup because I got a mixer and a multi-tracking to my Zoom H6 recorder. It's not on board like Steven Zoom L12 or his Rodecaster Pro. And I do go out and I'm actually listening through one of the outs now that is going into the Zoom H6 and I'm listening to that so I can hear live what the sound sounds like that's being recorded. But these are also useful if you're doing a multi-person in-person podcast where you want everybody mic'd up and you want them to wear some sort of headphones so they can understand if they're being heard or not. It really does help with microphone etiquette for that person if they're not a experienced speaker. They really get to understand how they sound on the microphone and if they are not sounding good or not. It's monitoring your own sound. So if you have two, three, four people and you only have one out from your board that you are actually monitoring from, I think it is great to have the multiple headphones and being able to some people, some people have hearing problems and they need to turn that volume up. And then for the other people that don't have hearing problems, they have an issue with the loud volume. So you really have to dial each individual in individually and make sure that they are listening at their comfort level. The first guy I podcasted with, he's a great producer. He really is. He was deafer than I was. And man, I had to, when I first heard myself, I was listening off the same line his was. It was just a Y connector. I literally took my headphones and I threw them off. I'm like, ow, that hurts. That really hurts. And it was able to be monitored a little bit differently because we were able to turn the volume down on mine because I switched to another output and it worked great. But you need to have something like this in your setup or on your board in order to make it happen. Now, the next thing that I want to talk about is the Rode Pod mic. Yes, SP and I, a little spoiler for next week, both added the Rode Pod mic to our setup this last week. Again, largely just to do with the fact that we wanted to be able to talk about it, give it a try. Maybe it was going to be our new mic. No, that's not the way it ended up going. But uh, a little side note with it, it's actually evolved for me because it's such a light microphone. I actually have left it hooked up permanently because I have a couple of cheap mic arms that usually you shove a microphone on there and it just falls down unless it's a handheld. Well, the pod mic is light enough that it can stay on all the time. And if I ever want to play podcast with the kids, I've got it ready to go. Just plug it in and away I go. Uh, I will save the summary of what our opinion is for next week because I know SP and I agree on that. There's one thing that was important in what you said. You play podcasts with your kids. If you do have kids that are remotely interesting in this stuff, it would be great to actually involve them in it because you're spending so much time with it, right? There have been times, and we haven't told anybody this, I don't think, that we brought your sons in and we've talked to them in a post-show environment and we've just had fun doing that. And I don't know if Steven's recorded that or not. I don't know if they're around or not, but I know that I've had the opportunity to talk to his sons and it has been pretty cool. It reminds me of you and your brother when you were growing up. I, I didn't have a brother, but I guess you guys had each other and you were doing fun things and you're able to incorporate that with your kids now. And it's great. I'm very creeped out that you knew me and my brother when we were kids. So let's move on to my software slash miscellaneous services that I, I made some changes to this past year. I'll just rapid fire through them. Magic's Vegas Movie Studio 16 moved up a version from 15. I ended up having to renew some web hosting. I build this by or try annually. And unfortunately, I had 
a couple of services come up this past year. I bought a new program for graphics design called Affinity Designer, as well as some add-ons for that. If you haven't heard me talk about this before, I, for a long time, have been a big proponent of Affinity Photo. It's essentially a product that is trying to be like Photoshop, and it's worked really well for me. Well, the Affinity Designer program is their version of Illustrator, and uh, I have been a little fearful of Adobe Illustrator for a while, and so I wanted to try to really get into this. Now, I'll save all of the technicalities of the differences for someone who wants to send me an offline message, but I decided this was the year there was a sale, and I, I also wanted to support the company because it's been a while since I bought anything from them because of the way that they sell their software. I, I haven't really been able to, so... I decided to do that, and I'm happy that I have, and I've used it a little bit and look forward to using it more in the future. I also upgraded my Isotopes RX Elements to version 7. There was an awesome $10 deal that was posted early in the year through our Discord server, which was completely made null and void when I ended up finding another deal in our Discord server, which was the Isotope Music Bundle. Essentially, I bought RX-7 Elements twice as what it came down to in this past year, but the Music Bundle had a few other things in it. I also ended up buying a Waves plugin called the Waves NS1 plugin. It's essentially a noise-removing plugin. Now, a lot of my daily driver is still the Isotopes RX Elements, uh, the, the noise removal in there, but the Waves NS1 has worked better in a couple of situations. And on average, I actually find a lot of the, the broad variety of voicemail clips we get, I use the NS1 plugin because it just seems to work a little bit better in that regard. Now, a big section that, again, I'll try to rapid fire through here was I had the... Gonna Geek Studios hardware failure of 2019. I had my computer completely fail. We in the past did a How I Say My Podcast story on this. But the bottom line is that out of this, I had several purchases related to my podcast setup just to keep it going. I ended up having to replace my motherboard in my main computer. So I did that. But before... I did this sort of replacement and this hardware change. The way I was running it is I had concurrent video streams going on my main machine. That was the way I was running it. Well, I decided that I was going to take this opportunity to expand from that a little bit. And I've gone from having a one computer setup where it was doing the general video capture and the video production and the video streams to having independent video streams boxes I added, uh, basically assembled using some parts and some, you know, eBay purchases and things like that, uh, an extra i7 box and an extra i5 box, meaning that I have a couple of boxes that are now dedicated to just run the video connections when I am doing the video side of the podcast endeavors here. And then my main box is mostly just to capture those video streams and do the video switching as well. I ended up having to buy a couple of hard drives for those. And I love how cheap SSDs are because of the fact that essentially for 20 bucks each, I was able to get a small hard drive. And because they're not doing anything, the hard drive could be very small. It doesn't save video locally on there. So it was basically just a couple of small uh, hard drives for that. And also for my main machine, because video takes up so much room, of course, I ran out of space again. So I added another four terabyte hard drive to the array. I would have gone six, but 
In Canada, the sixth price only in the last couple of months has kind of been to the level that it's it made sense. So at the time, the four made more sense. I'm looking forward to like the 12 terabyte, 14 terabyte drives right now. And that's what I'm looking at. So I saw a spied a couple of deals. I didn't take advantage of them later here. The one thing I wanted to say about your computer setup is when you were refreshing into the same generation of processor, it was a lot cheaper this time around to use that i7 with the generation fourth generation, I believe, processor, because we've advanced beyond that and it's still capable of doing video. So good job. You waited a little bit. It got cheaper. Most computer pieces and parts get a lot cheaper a couple of years out if they don't go out of stock, if you can actually get them. So kudos on you for beefing up your setup with a venerable and still viable machine that was at least a thousand, if not $2,000 cheaper than it would have been had you put it together two years ago. And the other thing too, is I actually got a little personal fun out of it. Uh, I'll say fun. I'll use that very, very loosely here uh, because we don't know what the problem was. I kind of suspected it might have been a heat issue. So I changed my case to have better airflow. I, of course, changed my power supply as well, but that's beside the point. But when I did that, I decided to buy a case that it looked a little prettier too, so that I had something new that I could like and look at. It had great airflow. That was the primary, but then I spent a few dollars extra to have it look a little pretty. And I, I may, you know, I used to be the guy that hated illuminated computers, but I decided to add it for the extra 10 bucks or whatever. So, you know, it, it's nice though, because you spend so much time as a podcaster in your space. And so sometimes if I'm just editing late at night and I just put my head down because I need a break and I see my computer, I just grab my remote and I turn on those lights so that I can see my case all illuminated. And it's just as a geek, it's fun. It's kind of fun. So it's just, it's a, a, a mental well-being $10 purchase that I added there. <laughs> So what you're saying is you were jealous of my lighted graphics card and my lighted computer case, and you just had to get one to be like me. Of course. Yeah. And the last thing that I want to talk about right now is something that is well overdue, and I've had it on my wish list for a couple of years and my want list, but I kept putting it off, and I'd like to call myself an idiot right now. Steven, you're an idiot for not doing this sooner, because it was the Rolls MS-111 mic switch. That is a microphone mute switch. Essentially, it goes in line between my microphone and my recorder. So if I want to go ahead and mute my signal as I'm in the middle of talking or coughing or whatever I want and see how that just dropped out because I muted it in the middle of the signal. Now, this is huge for me because I have a couple of kids which are very noisy. I think ironically, you might have just heard them a second ago right now as I was speaking. So the thing is, they bang occasionally, and as a dad, I often had to write down edit points and be like, cut out Steven's audio at this point, because the, with the setup I had, I didn't really have a way to mute it to the actual recording, other than turning down my DBX gain, which was not a fun thing at all. No. no. So I have had this on my, I really should get it list for a while, and the price dropped to a point that I went, okay, I'm going to pull the trigger, and I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm hoping that it continues to last for a while uh, because it honestly has been such a good addition to my system that I have far less edit points than I needed to on my particular audio track now because when I'm not on screen and someone else is speaking, I just mute my signal as much as I remember <laughs> so that 
that is a completely clean signal. And if my kids are being loud or yelling or banging or doing whatever, it's not in my recording. This is not the first time that you've had a mute switch in your setup. You used to have the Behringer 1622 and it had a mute switch, but you also had a problem with the pre-effects and post-effects mute. And then, of course, you had the Behringer little mini mic thing as well. And uh, yeah, that was a knob on it. So he once he went to that preamp, he had a problem with that. I am fortunate in that I've been able to use the channel mutes on my Mackie mixer still. It's a version two mixer. They're not a version three. And honestly, if I was to replace it these days, I'd replace it with something like a Rodecaster Pro or like a Zoom L12, L20, L8, something of that ilk. And who knows who else is going to come up with that sort of thing as we run into 2020. This is the Better Podcasting Download. This past week, there was an email that went out from Apple Podcasts. And it said basically that Apple Podcasts is now available on Alexa-enabled Amazon devices in the United States. As a creator, you'll find this presents an even greater opportunity for listeners to hear your show, and you can have full control over the podcast listening by saying, play the podcast title on Apple Podcasts, play the title from yesterday, if it's a daily podcast, skip ahead 30 seconds, play previous episode. It's all stuff that you used to have to have a skill for. And yes, you still have to have the Apple podcast skill on the A word device. Sorry for saying the full thing before. But if you enable that skill as the primary podcast player, because it used to be tune in, you can change that over to Apple podcast. Then you can have all these great play abilities and you don't have to have a skill in order for your podcast to be heard on the a device so that was one thing that happened and uh, there are a couple of issues with this i mean it's great that this is available it's kind of stupid that it wasn't available from the beginning because honestly as i'm getting ready in the morning i do have a new cycle that i listen to and it's all daily podcasts but if i'm in the garage just screwing around a little bit with the engine i want to listen to a podcast and i actually have happen to have an A device out there, I can go ahead and listen to it on the A device. If I'm just doing crafts around the house, if I'm cleaning, if I'm organizing, so it's actually something that you can play in the background. I know a lot of people like to play music. If you're like me, you prefer podcasts over music. I'm not against music, by the way. I do like music. I like actually playing the trumpet and I like listening to pop music and I'm starting to get into country now. I guess I'm old when I'm starting to listen to country when I didn't used to, but okay, this is pretty cool. Now there's a few problems with this. Steven, I think I can guess your problem. Number one, I, I don't have any problems. I think it's fantastic. So the issue that it is in U.S. only markets is not an issue for you? Oh, I, I'm sorry. I thought I was equating it to Pandora, the, the love of the Pandora announcement a while back. You know, again, another U.S. only feature. I'm First of all, I'm so sorry that you're <laughs> not getting this stuff. And I didn't realize what a problem it was as we were talking about different things that were coming out in the Amazon or Google architectures. And I suspect the Apple home architecture is about the same thing. You don't get it. It has to go through different regulations in because of Quebec and because of different things up there. So when stuff happens here in the United States, you don't get everything. And this is just a prime example of that. 
Yeah, no, that's definitely an issue. But, uh, you know, I, I made the joke about Pandora. But the thing is, like, as, as a Canadian that encounters this all the time, that it has owned an Amazon smart device for a long time, that has owned a Google phone for a while, it's, it's something that I'm used to. So, you know, when these sort of things come out, it's really, it, it frustrates me. But it's, it's not the biggest deal in the world because I'm used to to waiting forever for it to come to Canada. Should it be this way? No, it shouldn't be this way, but it is. And so I'm I'm used to it. However, I have to say, just seeing the progress start makes me happy. I've, I've for a long time made it very clear. I think that the idea behind having to put a skill for an individual podcast or something like that, I think that that's a poor way to handle podcasting because then you have to go and you have to go and get a skill specifically for every single show you subscribe to. I don't like that. I like the idea of there being a general, broad offering like Apple Podcasts. The other issue that I'll point out with this whole thing is, honestly, the consumption isn't all that great. Unless you have a daily podcast that's in the daily news, the percentage is very low listening through these devices. Now, will that change over time as these devices become more mainstream in the household? Maybe. But right now, it's just not all that high. It's just good to be in the devices if somebody is listening. And that's exactly it. If you're trying to grow your podcast, this is an area where you might want to be because in five years, who knows, it could be the only way people listen to podcasts. Probably not true, but it is something to consider is that you want to be on cutting edge areas like this because you just want to be there and experience that growth with everybody else. It would be stupid not to be on the devices. And then in two years, you find out that you've missed out on 30% audience growth because you're not there. So yeah, I would go ahead and make sure that your podcast can be listened to through the smart devices. Can I also highlight something that I think we should all acknowledge is the fact that Apple is putting their product on not just iDevices. And we should also acknowledge the fact that there have been many, many metrics showing that Apple's market share of podcasts is dropping. Coincidence? No, I don't think so. I think that they're obviously doing this because they want to make sure that they keep being available everywhere so that they can keep holding some of that market share. One thing to keep in mind is that Apple is transitioning from a hardware company where it was mostly hardware to more of a service-based company. And this is part of the service is to make sure that their brand is on everywhere because you have Apple TV on Roku's now. You have uh, different things on Apple TV and it's not just the Apple eco structure because you want to make sure that people can listen or watch Disney Plus on the Apple TV. So yeah, they're going back and forth. I think you're going to see that. The headline that you just mentioned I wanted to talk about more in depth at some point in time. I wanted to actually go into some statistics is that everywhere that we're looking, Apple is losing market share. And it's something that we've been pointing out for a long time is coming. It's starting to happen. How rapidly will it happen and what it will be the actual low side? I have no idea, but it used to be 70% consumption through Apple for podcasts. And then it was 60 for a while. I think it's bordering on 50. Like it might not even be 50 now. And in a lot of countries, it's actually being beaten by Spotify. So yeah, the Apple eco structure is not as dominant as it used to be. It will it still have a majority share worldwide. I don't know, maybe, but where it's like the most, like would 25% be the most single spot? I, 
I don't know. We'll see. I guess time will tell. But that wasn't the only update this week. SP, you have just been sharing all sorts of podcast news with me this week. Yeah, on the Spotify newsroom, which you can find at newsroom.spotify.com, there was an article on December 13th that says, all Spotify users in the U.S. can now play podcasts through Amazon Alexa. So very similar to what we were talking about with Apple Podcasts. And now it's with Spotify. And as we were just saying, Spotify actually is beating a lot of the Apple uh, our, uh, the Apple share in several countries, not all countries, but several countries. So, yeah, I think this is a big thing where now your listeners have a choice, much like on your smartphone. You can listen to podcasts through Spotify. You can listen to it through iHeartRadio on the app on your phone. You can listen to it through Apple Podcasts. If you have an iOS device, you can listen to it overcast on an iOS device over in the Google architecture. I believe uh, Pocket Casts is pretty big and Beyond Pod is also another big. So there's different ones that you can choose to listen to podcasts. Now on the Amazon architecture, you can listen to your podcast through multiple different ways and tune in Spotify, Apple podcasts. It's all available. So you pick whatever is your favorite and go with it. Let's go ahead and move on to the better pod back. This is where we here at better podcasting, turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment better pod back. Just a couple of quick things to talk about this week. First, we had waffles. Mm, waffles. We, waffles or pancakes? Mm, waffles. Uh, okay. Waffles 10 out of 10 times. Waffles said, so nice to hear the wide variety of everyone's one thing. That was in regard to the different submissions we had last week. And yeah, as I edited that, as I played it back, I loved hearing the variety. It was so nice. We also had Damien the DM talk a little bit about a question that was asked last week to do with ways to speed up editing. What did he say? Damien said, personally for my DAW, Hindenburg journalist, I use a Logitech mouse with 12 mappable keys on the side with things mapped to my DAW. I also am looking to get a Razer Nostromo or similar keypad for mapping things that aren't intuitive on the mouse keys. Also, bangs, meaning bangs, naughty bits, mentioned it as well, but I was going to turn you onto the term shuffle, which I have been suggested looking into, but I already use a keyboard layout, so I think a custom bound side keyboard will suit me more. We also had Waffles respond to the tip that I had said last week that you might be able to use a MIDI controller, and he had said, I've got a 16-pad MIDI drum thing I need to see if I can hook up for some controls. If so, best $5 I ever spent on podcasting. That's going to really depend on the DAW you've got. And, and it's not all, but maybe, maybe it does. And lastly, the big email that we got last week was from Johan. And he followed up about the comment that we talked about with his gear. SP, resident reader, go ahead and read away. Johan says, I should have known better. I'm realizing podcasters always want to know a bit about gear and processing especially when you submit a clip to a podcast about podcasting. Yes, I used the pod mic. My video clip had no processing whatsoever. It went from pod mic into my PreSonus 68 to photo booth. When I record my podcasts, I use the Rode pod mic to the Zoom L12. My co-hosts and guests use SM58s. I then do all my editing in Studio One with RX7 and a myriad of plugins. 
I bought the Zoom L12 as per your recommendation. This should actually be a How I Save My Podcast. We were recording our four mics right into my Studio One DAW, but my computer was not good enough to handle it and we were getting crashes. So the Zoom L12 to the rescue. We record everything to SD and it's much easier on my computer to just use it for editing. Thanks again. And due to high demand, I'm excited to relaunch my old show this year as well, entitled Awesome Things. Thanks for inspiring me for the upcoming year. Johan. Johan, that email really, really made me happy for a few different reasons. Number one, you were able to solve an issue which was crashing uh, by using a hardware recorder. Number two, uh, the pod mic, your sound sounds pretty straightforward. So it shows that your voice is a good match for the pod mic. And we've talked about that. Different mics match different voices differently. And third, the fact that you are relaunching a podcast because you were inspired. We do this show to share our love of podcasting and we hope to inspire people. And that really just melted my heart a little bit, to be honest. So I'm glad to hear that we helped inspire you. And uh, also remember SP's golden rules of hobby podcasting because don't overdo it. Don't overdo your podcasting endeavors and burn yourself out. We don't want to inspire you to burn yourself out. That's that would definitely don't do that. No, we wouldn't want to inspire anybody to burn out. Matter of fact, I've been hearing more and more people trying to get burned out or getting burnt out. They're not trying to get burned out and they're having to take time off. Matter of fact, I just saw if you're a big YouTuber, I saw PewDiePie might be taking some time off because he's burned out. I don't know if that's the reason or not, but yeah, take care of yourself. Make sure that you're not burning out. Make sure you're taking some time off so that you can come back to your audience refreshed and enjoy your podcasting experience, especially if you're hobby podcasting. It's all about your enjoyment primarily so you can keep doing it every week. And of course, you want to give back to the audience. The only way you can do that is to not be burned out. All right, let's wrap it all up with a follow-up, a submission for the one thing. It was a late submission. Uh, it was from Damien the DM, and we will go ahead and play that right now. Hello, Stephen, SP, and fellow Better Podcasting listeners. I'm Damien the DM from Adventures in Irelia, a Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. As is tradition in Better Podcasting now, we were asked, what is one thing you want to do to improve your show in the next year? I struggled with this for some time. So long, in fact, that this is being sent in after the airing of the One Thing episode. My struggle was that I have so many things that I want to do to improve, and they don't really overlap with a single main goal. So I tried to pare it down. This came from thinking of how I actually delayed this week's release of Adventures in Aurelia. Long story short, our next episode features combat, which can usually be a bit of a slog to listen to in actual plays. To help make it more entertaining for a listener, I have dove into fairly new territory for me, Instead of just the usual music, I am adding in audio drama-like effects to go along with the actions of combat. This mostly stemmed from a recent Humble Mudnall acquisition, an entire bundle dedicated to music and sound effects. So for my one thing to work on for 2020, I want to bring more sound effect use into Adventures in Aurelia to increase the narrative immersion. Thanks for having me around, guys. I'll see you in the Discord. So that was Damien from... Aurelia. Aurelia. Pa. It's Adventures in Aurelia. He rebranded. He told us several times. We just haven't mentioned it. It's not Aurelia Pod. It's Adventures in Aurelia. Thank you very much, Damien. And yes, 
as I'm listening to audio dramas more and more this year, it is great seeing and hearing all of those sound effects that go into that. And I can definitely see and hear those from real-time play podcasts as well as you're talking about gaming. And I can see how it would really add to the experience from a listener. And the podcasts that do that are going to get more listeners than the podcasts that don't. I mean, that do it right anyway, are going to get more listeners than those that don't because the listener is going to have more enjoyment of it. The one thing I'll say is it's going to slow down your production time because adding those is going to be a lot. We were talking before about fixing a live video show with two talking heads. If you're doing any sort of video accompanying with it, you're definitely quadrupling your time, adding the sound effects and even the audio version, you're going to be adding some more time as well. These aren't things that you bring in happenstance. These are things that you bring in that mean something in a tribute to your podcast and Damien wanting to do that. First of all, I really appreciate that as a listener and I am proud of him for taking that on. And I know it's going to be a lot of work. So Damien way to make your podcast better and way to not be afraid to take it to the next level. So that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for our first of two gear episodes. We'll have another episode next week with SP and we're going to talk all about his gear. SP, I just wanted to say Merry Christmas to you and Happy Holidays. Uh, the next time it'll be after Christmas. And I just wanted to, to say that now. So as you go into your Christmas, you can think of me. Happy Holidays, everyone. And I probably won't be thinking of Stephen on Christmas. Sorry, man. So for episode 212 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew saying Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate. And if you haven't checked out the video show before, you should. I'm wearing a special festive shirt. Special is definitely the term I would use for Stephen. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we got one more show for 2019. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching. And we hope to see you again next week.